Hello and welcome back to part two of the podcast version of the COVID-19 cash course, proudly brought to you by Worth, South Africa's leading financial education company and sponsored by Discovery. My name is Brad Brown and I'm the host of this podcast, which will be featuring Gary Kale and Haley Parry, the co-founders of Worth and the money coaches responsible for putting together this three-part course that is designed to help you manage your money better now and over the coming months as we continually have to adjust and compensate for the impact of COVID-19 on our personal lives and personal finance. As mentioned in the first lesson, this course was originally put together as a video-based course, so if you have data and a device to do so, I'd encourage you to watch it online. If you don't, that's not a problem, that's exactly why I'm here, to give you the audio version. It would help, however, if you downloaded the COVID-19 runway budget either in Excel spreadsheet form or the PDF equivalent. Those documents are available in the same COVID-19 toolkit area where you'd access the podcast or the video links. If for some reason you can't find them or you don't have access to them, please speak to your HR team for assistance. If you haven't listened to the first lesson in this series, which is called Stop and Take Stock, then I'd strongly suggest you go back and listen to that lesson first before moving on to this one. If you have, let's get straight into things and I'll hand you over to your money coach, Haley Parry. Welcome back, everyone. This is lesson two of three. It's the orange in the traffic light that we're working on on, these, on this um, COVID cash crunch course. I have my uh, business partner, Gary, uh, in the Zoom room with me. Gary, do you want to just say hi to everyone? How's it going, guys? Um, glad to be back and really excited to jump into the numbers with you today. I think let me just start with a quick recap. So where we left off lesson one is that we said a core part of how we teach normally when we're not in this kind of crisis mode is we look at how do we utilize the income we earn in order to generate profit for ourselves because there's no point going to work and working really hard every day if we're not going to move forward with um, making ourselves uh, wealthier every month, just little by little, little by little. But because of where we find ourselves, we said we're going to shift the focus. Right now, it's not about making profit. Right now, we need to prioritize protecting our base. And so that's where we left it. And I said that today in this lesson, we were going to unpack what it was that we need to focus on protecting. Where do we need to start? Um, and I said we're going to reveal the four F's of protection. And I think that's a good place to kick off with today because um, I don't know about you, Gary. I mean, we discussed a little bit in the first lesson about where you're tracking personally around the COVID-19 crisis. And I think whenever anyone is faced with a shock, we all like to just make sure that our bases are covered, that our, our foundation is strong. And for us, from a financial perspective, that foundation that we want to be strong needs to first kick off with where we stay. So we've called this our four walls. Now, when we look at um, protecting our four walls from a financial sense, we want to make sure that we've got enough money to cover our rent or our bond, things like our electricity, our utilities, our water, and any levies, those kinds of things. The next thing we want to focus on is food. You know, that's another one of the four Fs. You need to make sure everyone is, is fed and happy and healthy at home. And the next that we want to look at is around work. So this is the money that we've said that you need in order to work. Now, depending on where you work and what work you do, that's going to differ according to your personal situation. But for most people, it will involve some form of transportation, uh, whether it's your own 
uh, car financing or using public transport, you need to make sure you've got money to do that. You also probably need money for um, data on your phone uh, and that kind of thing. And that leaves one more if, and that is the money that we've um, ring-fenced as for your family. So in a South African context, we know that we have this concept of black tax or family tax. And it's something that we've spoken about at length in one of our other courses that is called family tax and how to um, balance the privilege and the responsibility of family tax in normal financial situations. And I think what a lot of our learners are going to find now, and in fact, we discussed this in our group call the other day, uh, was that a lot of people are already feeling the pressure of additional, uh, of needing to provide additional financial support. So, you know, the reality is that most of us aren't going to be happy if we know that our um, closest friends or family members are, are really struggling. And so we need to find a way to put some money aside to assist them if we can. Now, that's the, the high-level overview on these four Fs that we were speaking about that we need to focus on protecting. But Gary, I know um, as our resident spreadsheet ninja, you've got a practical way of helping us figure out how to do this uh, in a budget that um, we're providing to our learners as part of this course. Sorry, Haley. before I let Gary the Spreadsheet Ninja jump in here, uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't downloaded the COVID-19 runway budget yet, you can do so in either Excel spreadsheet format or as a PDF. Those downloads are available in the same COVID-19 toolkit area where you'd access the podcast and the video links. Gary, just so that we're all on the same page here, which tab are you referring to? I'm referring to the second tab in the worksheet, which is called Caution and Course Correct. Now, I must say that what we've done for you is we've taken this type of thing. We don't want to scare anyone away with spreadsheets, but we do want you to be able to do the maths properly. So we are offering you a very simple version of this, which would be sort of a 30-day view at a time, paper-based. If you want to just get a pen and you want to write through it, and that's how you prefer doing budgets, then that's fine. For a lot of people, that's less scary. But what I would suggest you do is just take your time. Don't be intimidated. And certainly, we've done it in a very simple format. So this particular um, worksheet caution and course correct has been designed for sort of a very low tech version of budgeting without too many complicated calculations and to kick right off with it is what we're focusing on here is what was your pre-lockdown income and how does that compare to your now lockdown changes what's happened so in the example that I've put together if you want to just open up the spreadsheet or you just want to take a look um, what I've just presented you with is a typical couple. We used um, stats as a sort of average level of salary in the market. And they say that the average income is 22 and a half thousand rand. So what I've done is I've put a couple's um, budget in there and said that one person earns 22 and a half thousand rand. Um, their partner earns 12,000 rand and they have a 12,000 rand um, rental property that they are earning money on. Now, What's happened in this scenario that I'm just showing you is that husband's income was knocked down, wife's income knocked down, and even the rental income has been halved. So it's about understanding what were my expenses like before and what do they look like now. The next category of expenses that I just want to draw to your attention, or in fact the first one, is the four Fs that Haley referred to. And the idea between the two columns is that what you have is the pre-lockdown amounts which represented normal life and you have the next column which is called now so the idea is is that if you have had a knock in income 
or you have had a rise in expenses of maybe having to assist family, for instance, the green column is where you want to make the cuts and where you want to make the adjustments because the idea is, is we want to thin out those expenses so that over the next couple of months, we give ourselves the best chance of being able to see through it for as long as possible without eating into savings or incurring more debt. So the next line item um, on the budget, which would always have normally been our first, which is the pay yourself first. This is the area where we talk about investments, savings, emergency funds. And as we said earlier in the first lesson, that's generally the focus and the priority of where wealthy people focus the first amounts of money as they pay themselves first of every single pay slip. Um, but for, this, for the purposes of this discussion, what I want to say is, is that if you have been doing this and you have been actually prioritizing investing and putting away emergency funding and savings, it's a serious congratulations to you right now. I don't really need to tell you that because this is what's going to give you a buffer over the next couple of months. Um, unfortunately, we do know that from the tens of thousands of learners that we've helped in the past, we do know that most South Africans are living in a highly indebted situation. They don't have much savings. And unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be a bigger lesson than this ever in anybody's life where they're going to learn the power of saving and why it's so important to cut that stuff away and prioritize it properly. Um, so I'm going to build that into the discussion as we go forward and we look at projecting over the next six months. But for now, I just want to talk about a couple of specific areas that you need to give some consideration to. When cutting down this budget, there are certain kinds of expenses that you have to really think very carefully about. Um, there are relationships that you might have. So let's just run through a couple of these scenarios. First of all, there's charities that you might be supporting. Right now, this is probably desperate times for the charities as well as they have to start kicking in and supporting communities where it's for food or for loss of income. It's really just really difficult. If you are sitting in a situation where you do have the a normal income and you're able to afford to do it, don't cut those kind of expenses. So I think the obvious places that you can cut is around luxuries. I mean, we've just seen that a, that a huge amount of spend is spent on the good life. And, you know, cutting back on that kind of stuff now where you literally can't go and spend on that, we feel that a lot of people are actually going to have a lot of money, which normally used to go to a lot of excessive spending, all of a sudden back into the budget. But there are harder places that you have to look at and the harder calls that you have to make. And I know that when decisions become tough, it's really hard when you're looking at things like your school fees, where you're actually contractually obligated to make those payments. So if you, if you can afford to do it, you do it. But if you can't, that's a different story and you have to engage with the school and you have to talk to them about that. They're going to want to see proof that you've had a loss of income and things like that because they too have got infrastructure and teachers that they need to be paying. So just be very, very careful about going and just racking up debt because this is the time now that you think you could potentially just withhold payments. There are also the softer issues where you have to think about the extramural teachers and those kinds of people who run the smaller sort of moms and pops businesses who are also trying to get through this. It's, if you've got the money, pay them. There are other really important expenses on the table like insurance, your household insurance, your car insurance, your life policies. Be very careful about cutting that stuff away. There are things that you can do um, to improve things where, you know, on my short-term insurance, I did email my insurer, asked them and said to them, you know, during this period, if I'm not driving my car, can I get a discount on that? And actually, I found them very helpful. So it is a place that you can cut. But I would be very, very careful about opening your family up to risks 
or cutting that insurance now and forgetting and getting in the car and going and driving and getting into an accident when you're going and you're buying food. So be very careful about how you tread on this. And seriously, those are the kind of conversations you want to have with your financial planner about your financial position and engage with them and get the right advice. Gary, if I can just jump in here quickly to one of the experts that we had in the first lesson, um, Nduduzi Lutuli, who's an investment manager at Lutuli Capital, had some great advice on this exact subject. If you don't have an emergency fund, then don't wait. Now is the time to start. It's probably the most important priority that you could possibly have. Um, and then obviously outside of that, I know that insurance is always a great buy, but I hope that COVID-19 also highlighted, highlights what we mean when we say uh, it's, it's risk management. It's looking after unexpected events. So perhaps now is the time, if you haven't met the advisor in a while, to sit down and start having the conversation and saying, look, what if I do get sick? What if I do get retrenched? God forbid, what if um, that horrible statistics and I'm one of the people who do pass away from COVID-19? That is definitely something to take cognizance of. But Gary, one of the big issues that people sort of don't like talking about is obviously debt. And it plays a major role in a situation like this. I think the the big sort of hairy sort of discussion that, that we need to have is around debt. And the reason I say this is because, you know, from the tens of thousands of learners that we've come through and polled over the years, we just know, and if you look at the statistics in South Africa, where even pre-COVID, the average debt to income ratio of the average South African was around 78% of what they earn. So in other words, 78% of what people were earning was going to have to fund their debt on a monthly basis. So they were already in a position where they were quite sort of backs up against the wall. This happens and we can see that that debt is really going to spiral. So we want to talk to you about the debt situation and what, you, what are some of the tools that you can be using to assist yourself during this time. If when you look at your income, you look at your expenses, you just can't come out, what do you do about repaying those debts and how do you negotiate with the various creditors that you may have and the kind of offers that they may be giving you? Okay, so Gary, I think... Um like you say, we're getting down to the business end of this lesson now because when it comes to debt, this is where it can get quite hairy um, for you, particularly if you're no longer able to make these repayments. And if that is the case, and this is where you find yourself, you'll be really pleased to know that we have three potential tools at your disposal. Now, um, I want to discuss each of these in turn, and I think I'm going to open up the floor both to Gary and to some of our experts if they can please weigh in here. And I'd like to kick off this discussion by saying, um, what is credit insurance or credit life insurance? How does it work and how could it help me if I'm unable to pay my debts uh, right now? Do, do you want to have the first crack at that? If you've taken debts recently, especially in the last three to four years, there is something called uh, credit life insurance. And most credit providers, most, most credit providers, I'm, I'm saying 99%, if not all of them, have taken it as uh, it's just taken it as part of the business process that when they issue debts, when they issue loans, they build in the credit insurance there. So, what are the claimable events for credit insurance? It's if you if you pass away while owing owing debt, it'll pay off your debt. If you get disabled, if you get ill, most importantly, if you get retrenched, most credit life ins insurance policies will pay your premium for six, minimum six, maximum 12 months. So I would encourage people to do uh, 
what they should have done in the beginning, which is read your loan agreements, because most of us just sign uh, and just say, well, what is the, what is, how much do I have to pay? Okay, fine. And we don't really go through the terms, but actually go back to your loan agreement. And that would be my, my, my first point of call is, do I have credit life insurance? Because if you do, it's going to be an absolute lifesaver right now. Then you don't have to apply for premium holidays. You can just actually claim on the policy and know that your premiums are paid for the next six to 12 months, depending on your policy. Christia van Heerden, the CEO of Just One Lap, is uh, with us once again too. Christia, your thoughts? The one thing that we all suddenly have a lot of that we didn't have before is time. I know how it goes when you take out a financial product. You're like, just give me the money. I'll deal with the paperwork later. Now is that later that you've been waiting for. So in terms of credit insurance, you need to contact your financial services provider to capitalize on that. They are not going to contact you. An insurance company is never going to contact you to say, oh, please, can we give you some money for this? That's not, that's not how they work. Brilliant. Uh, Gary, you've got some practical advice on actually how to do this. The best thing to do, if you need to, if you've lost your income, you've had reduced income, or you're unable to make an income, then what you need to do is contact your insurer. It's quite a simple call, and these are the steps that you run through. You simply phone um, the lender, and you ask them if you've got this credit life insurance in your actual policy. It's a simple conversation. Do you have the credit life insurance? Yes or no. Um, at that point, they're going to ask you, just like all claims, what's happened. You're going to have to be honest about it because like all claims, you're going to have to prove it. Each insurer or I guess lender would have different criteria and you're going to have to comply. Some of them will want to see your bank statement. Some of them will want confirmation from your employer. So they're going to actually check this out properly because the result is, is that if you do actually comply and this is a valid claim, they are going to pay your debt for the next 12 months. Now, what happens when they pay the debt is that you're not going to receive the money directly and then you pay the creditor. What's going to happen is, is that they will then start paying your lender directly for the next 12 months and the lender will stop deducting that amount from you. So that's how this works. This is for people that have lost or reduced their income or now unable to actually earn money and insurance policy kicks in. Gary, if, if I can jump in here once again, because we've got financial journalist and founder of myownmoney.co.za with us as well, uh, Maya Fisher-French. Uh, Maya, often consumers are worried about the impact of claiming from insurance policies and what it'll actually mean for them in the long term. But in a case like this, they really shouldn't be. If you're going to um, claim from your credit insurance, there's absolutely no black mark against your name because that's what it's there for. It's an insurance. And they also can't come back to you and say, oh, well, we're hiking your premium because you claimed, unlike car insurance, because it's actually regulated. There's a cap on how much they can charge you for credit insurance. The other thing that you have to consider is that if you weren't actually paying off your debts, and just remember that this this is insurance that's actually bundled into the actual debt repayments every single month. So if you've been missing your debt repayments of late, it means that you haven't been paying that credit life insurance premium as well, which means that you probably may, you would not in that instance actually qualify for the benefit because they'll say, I'm sorry, but you never paid us and you haven't paid us for the last six months. So that's something to consider. I think there's also just something else I'd like to raise here, Gary. You know, the reality is that often we pay financial services companies a lot of fees and we don't really know exactly where it's going or what it's where it's for but this is exactly what insurance is for 
insurance is is there to be a buffer for us when we can no longer pay afford to pay for something and so if you genuinely cannot afford to pay a creditor you've lost some income this is exactly why this uh, type of insurance was built so please don't feel guilty if you need to exercise your right to use it now this is exactly why it was invented you're not going to be penalized um, this is something that you have been paying for and it's your right to activate it now if you do genuinely need the support right so we said that if you are struggling with debt repayments there are three tools at uh, your disposable that you can look at using we've discussed the first one which is credit insurance the second one we call payment holidays but we don't even like that term we we rather refer to it as a payment pause gary maybe you can start off by just explaining to our learners why we don't even like the term payment holiday I think it'll be self-explanatory once I actually explain the implications of a payment holiday and why it's actually just a payment pause. Um, you know, this is not a new term, this payment holiday concept. You know, institutions have been doing this for a long time. Um, you know, a lot of consumers who, for instance, may have a car payment are familiar with in December getting a very friendly letter from their lender saying that, you know, we understand that it's holidays and we're very consumer centric. So therefore, we want to give you a payment holiday because you can go and enjoy yourself. What the consumer doesn't understand is, is that the underlying costs and interest are still there. And, you know, somebody formulated that and some actuary really like got a bonus for showing um, the institution how they could get, you know, that extra payment out of like millions of consumers. So, you know, I'm not saying it's all bad, but the bottom line is, is that it's very misunderstood because this really is a solution that should be executed for somebody who's struggling to, you know, pay those four Fs, you know, or to protect their family or um, struggling to like protect an asset or keep their valuable or very important insurance in place. I mean, just to give an example, we just ran a bit of a calculation just to, that I think really explains this well. So if a consumer uh, had bought a house for a million rand a year ago and had made all their monthly payments, after a year, they would still owe the institution 980,000 rand on their mortgage. So they would have paid off 20,000 rand of that bond because there is so much interest front loaded into the front of a mortgage. If they took a payment holiday and stopped paying their mortgage for just three months, their interest charges would still accumulate. In simple terms, they would now owe the bank or the, whoever the lender was a million rand again. So they're just actually over a million rand. So in other words, they would have undone an entire year's worth of paying, probably around about 10,000 rand a month to a lender. And within three months, they would have gone straight back to the million where they already owed in the first place a year ago. Now, that's the first factor. The second factor, which a lot of people don't understand about payment holidays, is what happens to that extra interest that was incurred. So if you went and this same consumer that had bought that house in, in this scenario, we calculate that because they incurred an extra 21,500 rand worth of interest, at the end of the mortgage, it would have extended the mortgage by about 17 months because that 21,500 rand is going to incur interest on interest on interest on interest for another 19 years. That comes to another 137,000 rand in the mortgage. So not only did they undo the first year's worth of payments, but they actually added 17 months of repayments and 137,000 Rand because they were trying to skip three months of 10,000 Rand's worth of payments. Now that 137,000 Rand could mean, it could mean a university education or a deposit on investment property. 
So please use this option only if you really need to, not because it sounds like an easy way not to pay your creditors. Unless, of course, you are being offered a payment pause with no interest being charged, but that is something you must confirm with your credit provider. But money is always going to be a DIY job, and really you've got, you got to be very careful before you execute on this kind of thing to solve a debt problem. Gary, it certainly is a massive eye-opener when you dig into the numbers like that. Mdaduzi, you'd like to add something? If you don't have credit life insurance then I would suggest taking the premium holiday because at least it just gives you a breather. The most important thing, especially over the next year, is about liquidity, having cash on hand, being flexible, being able to exercise options. So if, if you do have the option available to you where the bank says, look, the bank, whoever your credit provider is, says, look, you don't have to, you can put a, a premium holiday, it's usually six months, you can stop your premiums then 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 do take it but just understand that it's not they're not voiding that six months you will have to come back and pay it at some point they're just saying at the moment take a breath and if that's the only option you have definitely make use of it perfect maya you also wanted to add something to what scary had said the date holidays have been very specific per provider so it, it would be your specific bank on your specific credit so if you have credit across various banks you would need to find out what each of those banks was was offering um but the the, the date holiday basically is and i the, the great analogy is think about going on holiday it costs you money and it's the same thing this is not a freebie we've also got the director of galileo capital warren ingram back with us uh, in this lesson warren your thoughts on a payment holiday so I understand that, you know, the, the, the kind of the attraction of saying, well, I'll take the payment holiday if I can, but, but just understand it's not going away. That payment holiday is not a debt relief. It's just saying that you're going to pay it off over a longer period of time. And the problem is just getting bigger. Haley, what Gary and all our other experts are saying about payment holidays is such an important message to get across. If I had to give a, a very high level summary, it's a valuable tool to use if you need to use it but you need to do so with your eyes wide open because the reality is that using a payment pause is going to cost you in the long term. It's going to cost you in terms of how much interest you're going to pay and how long you're going to continue to repay that debt. So please, if you do get back on your feet sooner rather than later, please consider paying back um, that interest that you paused as soon as you possibly can so that you can reduce this negative effect uh, to your personal finances in the long term. Right, so um, that means we've discussed two of the three tools available to people if you are struggling with your debt repayments. Um, and that leaves us with one more to go, and that is the option of considering debt counselling. Now, what is this, and how can it help our learners who um, perhaps aren't able to use credit insurance or payment pause when it comes to their debt? So, Hells, I think, as you know, um, debt counselling is quite a misunderstood service. It does have a sort of negative connotation in the market um, due to um, consumers' experiences. But as you know, I'm quite a big fan of the process if it's executed properly. So in a nutshell, um, debt counselling is an actual legal process that has been put in place by the National Credit Regulator in South Africa. And when it's executed properly, this is, this is what it does. Inevitably, the way that the calculation works is that, that you take your income, you minus what you owe to your creditors, and if what's left over is not enough to pay for your living expenses, you would be considered over-indebted. If you're in that space and you are over-indebted and you do qualify for the service, then 
in essence, what happens is your debt counselor contacts your creditors and gets your creditors to stop trying to collect from you. They take a look at your budget. They take a look at where, where your expenses are and they renegotiate with the creditor on your behalf. Now, what we have seen, and we have a favored debt counseling partner that we've been using for years. Um, we also, the same partner that's, that's partnered with Discovery Healthy Company. And in essence, we've seen that on average, they can reduce people's interest rates to around 3%. So what happens is that it gives you the ability to get creditors off your back from wanting to, to collect from you. They would then take one lump sum from you every single month and disperse it to all your creditors. But the idea is, is that to work with you on your expenses and come to an agreement with the creditors where they can give you some of your cash flow back. So in other words, reduce your interest payments, cut away the actual interest. So inevitably, every single month when you're paying, what you're really paying is just the capital portion or mostly just the capital portion back. So because the problem is, is that when people are highly indebted, a lot of the payments that they make every single month go towards just paying the interest and the, the service charges and the admin fees. And this is why it feels like you're trying to run in the mud. So inevitably, by going through a proper debt counseling process with the right kind of debt counseling partner, what they're able to do is free up the cash flow, give you back affordability, and actually put your debt on a repayment track that is very specific with good reporting where you can log into an environment every month and see your creditors being dispensed and being paid and being reduced. So I'm a big fan of debt counseling for that process, but the partner that you choose really does count. Gary, thanks. I think that's really helpful. Um, I'd just like to add in one or two things because as you know, we've actually built an entire course just around this um, topic itself because there is actually so much to it. You know, and if any of the HC learners would like to do this course, um, we have two dumping debt courses. In fact, please feel free to go ahead and, and look at those courses on their own. But in the interim, I just want to flag you with one thing, and that is in order to qualify for debt counseling, you do need to be employed. So if you are employed and you've fallen behind your payments um, prior to the uh, COVID-19 uh, cash crunch, as we're calling it, um, then you need to see whether this is something that can help, actually help you. You know, what we, we often describe it as an umbrella that can protect you uh, for a period while you get back on your feet because they're able to uh, reduce those debt repayments. They give you just a little bit of breathing room uh, to get back on your feet until you're operating from a firm financial footing. I think what we've done now is we have uh, summarized for everyone the fact that we need to ensure when it comes to our expenses, we have to prioritize the four Fs to make sure we've got enough money for that. And then where needed, we need to uh, reduce um, or cut some of the other expenses. And we've also given people options if they're struggling to pay uh, back their debt repayments. But where are we going with all this? And the reason why we've been looking at this is because if your income has been reduced or it's been removed, um, unfortunately, the expenses don't go with it. And what we're trying to do here is give people as much runway as possible to get back on their feet for their salaries to go back to 100% or to find a new job. Because the reality is that none of us know how long um, all of these moving parts are going to go on for. And what we want to do is make sure you've got um, enough time to figure out what it is that you need to do. So I think that that brings us back to your spreadsheet, Gary. And I know you've spent a lot of time working on the second part of the orange tabbed um, 
tabs on the spreadsheet. You know, this first one that we've been dealing with is just around the caution, just stopping and having a look at what we need to fill with. But now in the course correction stage, this is where you feel like with a little bit of um, number crunching, you can really increase your runway. You can figure out innovative ways to put money back into your emergency fund. So can you just talk us through, through that on the spreadsheet, please? You know, this is all about having clarity and being able to be as predictive as you can about what the next six months looks like. So what we've done is we've put together um, in the course correct worksheet, if you just want to pull that out and take a look at it, the very first thing that we're looking at is what we call your surplus or your shortfall in each month. So what this spreadsheet is showing you is it's showing you month on month for the next six months if you work on those values that you put together today, in other words, it's the second column where you cut down the expenses, um, you've had your discussion with your creditors, you've had your discussion with your insurer, you've had your discussion with your family, and based on that, you've worked out how close you can get to actually being able to hopefully net out or at least try to have some extra money in surplus so that you can stockpile. But I've actually given you an example here of somebody that's actually going backwards by about 2,000 Rand a month, just so that you can actually see how this would work and play together with um, some savings that you might already have in place and how we would work down on that. So the first thing to look at is that surplus tab at the top, which gives you a summary of how you're tracking each month on a month-on-month -month basis. So if you take a look at the sheet, you'll see that the person's going backwards a minus 2,098 Rand each month. If you take a look down at the six month runway in month one, all those expenses that you put together from the caution worksheet have been pulled through to this one automatically. But in that six month runway area, you're able to go into a month and actually just change it um, and modify as you go along, which would make a difference to the top number and show you how much you are going backwards or not, or actually managing to save extra money. The impact that it has on your savings is shown here and reflected in the second table, which is just showing you what your emergency fund is doing, your savings, and if those are growing or if those are being used up because you're running out of money within your budgeted period of time. So that's why even if you are in a negative situation, but you do have some stored savings or you've decided to cash in on investment just to create some lump sum, what you would be able to do with this spreadsheet is understand how much money you need based on what your budget looks like. So if you can see that you're at a minus 2,000, your employers put you on terms, they've cut your income, but you can see that you can last for four or five months like this because of the savings, then you don't have to sweat that much about going and starting to cash in assets and doing all of that as long as you understand where you stand from an, in, from an income perspective. So this sheet is really simple to use. The idea is, let's take debt as an example. Let's say, for instance, you went and you did have a credit insurance product on your car repayment. What you would simply do is go into this document, take a look at the debt situation. And in this case, in the example, the person had a debt of 3,200 Rand that they were paying towards their creditor. So what you would simply do is just delete the amount over the next six months because you had a valid claim, you got all of this in writing from the creditor. Going back up now, you can actually see that each month you actually now have a surplus of 600 Rand growing to 1,100 Rand a month, 
which if you took a look at the next table, would actually show you that your savings, instead of it just being depleted each month, is actually increasing each month, which means you've actually got more runway. Yeah, Gary, and at times like this, the runway is so vital. Ndaduzi, for you, having an emergency fund is crucial in a time like this. If you don't have an emergency fund, that should be your number one priority. So if you have multiple accounts, maybe you're contributing to your retirement, you're contributing to your holiday fund, and, 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 redirect all savings, all contributions into an emergency fund. Your biggest priority is getting through the next 12 to 18 months without getting into a dead hole. Because the last thing you want to do um, is we find ourselves 18 or, or, or 24 months from now, the world is going back to normal, but now you're sitting with a huge debt hole. That's what you should try and avoid. If you have an emergency fund, look after it. Keep it keep it fully funded. And for one of our other experts, Maya Fisher-French, uh, the sentiment's exactly the same. I believe in emergency fund before anything else for this exact reason that we're all sitting here feeling desperate is because these events happen. This is a big one, but events happen. You know, have you got your emergency fund? Uh, do you need to add a little bit to that? And then you look at your debt repayments. Uh, you know, can I accelerate my debt repayments? Can I remove debt? Because that's the other cost of living that that really hurts you in a time like this. Gary, as you shared earlier on in this lesson, this is the exact process that you've had to go through yourself. This is the discussion that I've had with my wife. This is what we did. We took a six-month view. We looked at what savings we had. We looked at what potentially was going to happen to her salary over the next... In fact, we know what's happened to her salary within the next couple of months. But what we're hoping is, is that the situation will turn around as we come out of the lockdown. We're hoping that her business will be able to resuscitate and we've kind of guessed at what sort of pace that would be, what her earnings could do to return to where they were. And this is hopefully not the discussion you're having at home, but this spreadsheet really will go a long way in being able to facilitate that and be able to give you just really a clear understanding of where you are. And when you see the numbers stack up, I promise you, this gave me a lot of relief to understand that we actually had a longer runway than we thought. It is scary. I don't like burning money that we've taken a long time to save. But what's really important to me now is my sanity, my relationship at home with my family and my wife, her level of stress with regards to where her business is at. It's one thing to take a major hit in business like that. It's another thing to worry about the fact that there isn't any money. So when I showed her what the runway looked like and what kind of planning we could put into place and how that would work, it really did go a long way in actually us, help us solve our immediate problem so we could get back to you know just reasonable levels of stress continue to just do what we have to do she's now able to engage properly at the right sort of level of productivity at work to try and work on what's going to happen and forward plan now how to come out of this quickly so this is a very valuable document okay thank you for that gary and for your for sharing your personal story with us i think it gives us all um hope and insight that um you know everyone is facing different degrees of stress at the moment. And I think that's why I'm really looking forward um, to us moving on to the next lesson, which is the green lesson we've called Go and Grow. You know, by the time uh, everyone's done the work that we've asked them to do in this lesson, there's been a fair amount of heavy lifting. You know, you've looked at how your income needed to be adjusted based on your personal circumstances. You've figured out what your four Fs are and how much that's going to cost you, what you need as a minimum to keep and protect your, your personal um, finance base. And then for those of our learners who are struggling with their debt repayments, we've given them three tools that they will have needed to have had a look at in order to um, 
get support and figure out a way to reduce those um, payments or, or put them on pause. And so now we can have a look at what's coming in the next lesson. And, you know, whilst we've been focusing right now on the very short, um, short term, immediate uh, strategies that you need to put in place to get your finances under control. In the next lesson, we're going to throw it forward a little bit. We're looking at the uh, medium to longer term and looking at how the processes that you've put in place and the new skills that you may have developed during this period can be used to your advantage um, in the future. How you can increase your lift then and actually make up for maybe some of the ground that you've lost during these tough times. Uh, we also have a lot of learners who've been really anxious about how the stock market crash, the, the downgrade um, by Moody's and the recession we're sitting in is actually affecting their share portfolios, their retirement funds and those kinds of things. And so we're going to cover all of that in the next lesson and we've got some great experts who are also weighing in with their opinion and their advice on that topic. Thanks to everyone for participating in this lesson. We do hope that this was valuable and it's given you some at least some medium-term view of where you're at and the tools and the skills. And we look forward to hearing lots of positive feedback about how this has supported your game plan over the next couple of months and um, look forward to seeing you in the next lesson. The COVID-19 Cash Course is proudly brought to you by Worth and sponsored by Discovery. While we hope the information provided by Worth PTY Limited during the COVID-19 cash course will help you make your own financial decisions, you expressly agree that the course is not to be viewed as financial advice and nothing we do or say during the course will constitute a recommendation, guidance or proposal in respect of any financial product as the term is defined by the Financial Advisory and Intermediary Services Act of 2002. If you require financial advice, you need to contact a financial institution or a financial planner registered as an authorized financial services provider with the Financial Services Board. While every care and effort has been taken to ensure the accuracy of the information provided during this course, we make no representation and give no warranty, whether express or implied, relating to the accuracy, correctness and effectiveness of the course or information provided in the course. Accordingly, we disclaim all representations and warranties, including but not limited to warranties relating to the accuracy, correctness and effectiveness of the course for any purpose whatsoever. We make no guarantee about the suitability of the course or whether it is complete, accurate or appropriate. We shall, under no circumstances whatsoever, be liable to you, including without limitation, as a result of or in connection with our negligent, including grossly negligent acts or omissions or other persons for whom in law we may be liable, in whose favour this constitutes a contract or undertaking for their benefit. For any direct, indirect, incidental, special or consequential loss or damage of any kind whatsoever or howsoever caused, whether arising under contract, delict or otherwise, and whether the loss was actually foreseen or reasonably foreseeable, sustained by your reliance on the content of the course or for any other reason whatsoever.